0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Crucial Conversations Podcast with the Blue Lava Community, where we gather and share expert insights on security program management delivered with, by, and for the most respected security leaders around the world. Together, We'll explore solutions to the most pressing business challenges unique to the careers of CISOs and cybersecurity executives. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco.
1: Sean, what's going on?
2: I have a big pool of cybersecurity candidates, and I don't know what to do with them.
1: Oh, yeah? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's that's not something different it's like and now for something completely different that's right <laughs> i got a lot of people line up in this industry that's right it's a new story i i've been story. i don't know how, how long sean we've been talking about this gap in the industry uh five years six years from the beginning of time i don't know
2: yeah be- beginning of us working together for sure there's <laughs> there seems to have been a gap and uh generally speaking, and then, of course, the, uh, the uh, DEI perspective, uh, the, that gap has also uh, been talked about a lot, and uh, diversity, equality, inclusion, I'm talking there, DEI. And I don't know, we, we see some things change, but still just a lot of chatter, and I think the, the, the rhetoric and the realities have both been amped up by the, the, the phenomenon of the great uh, resignation, <laughs> <laughs> where, where it seems that uh, the employees have uh, taken the, the upper hand with respect to uh, where they want to work, what they want to get paid, what benefits they want to receive, which not only op- now CISOs and other hiring managers have to deal with a gap that existed already, but now they're having to deal with kind of retaining the existing people they have and uh, filling even more gaps if they fail to do that. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of done talking cause I, I want to figure out what we can do about this. And I'm thrilled to have Megan McCann on with us to help us and our fellow, uh, security leaders, uh, find some ways to, uh, attract, uh, bring in, retain, keep their teams happy. And, and by the way, themselves, <laughs> they're, they're part of this as well. They're not enough CISOs to go around either. And, um, This is part of the crucial conversations uh, brought to everybody by uh, the great team at Blue Lava. And uh, Megan's part of the community and is here to help us uh, flesh some of this stuff out. Megan, it's great to have you on.
3: Thank you for welcoming me. Um, So happy to be part of the Blue Lava community as a founding member. And certainly, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. The good news is that we're here to talk about it, to flesh out some ideas. The bad news is that the great resignation, while the number of workers has uh, continued to grow, the number is still at 40% mm-hmm. are looking to leave their job. And that is no different than 2021. So we're still looking at a great uh, a great resignation. So um, a little bit about my background. I am an IT recruitment professional. I have worked in the space for many years and have seen a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs. And and certainly over the years, what has been interesting is to watch the groups and um, areas of specialty that have evolved and security is certainly one of those buckets, right? The the need for security professionals, I don't think has ever been greater. And if you look at some of the labor of statistics, US labor of statistics numbers, Um, the number is continuing to grow. Um, It's growing at 31%, which is um, a a huge number over the 4% of some of the other other groups. So lots to talk about. Um, It's not going away. This is going to be with us for a while. So it's a conversation that we've been having. We're going to continue to have. So it's both like, what can we do in the short term and what's the long play to really make a difference?
1: I think that's a great way to start and a a great place to start i mean like we were joking at the beginning that we've been talking about this from the beginning of time but it has changed like you know, one time the digital transformation the great resignation working from home one thing in another i mean it's always an evolving environment you've been doing this for a while is there like some highlights that maybe you can point out to say well, if I look five years ago, things have changed in this direction. Maybe they keep changing in this direction. Some based on your experience. Yeah. So I think that's such an interesting question. When I started my career,
3: we were so singularly focused on technologists having specialty in a particular skill. And as long as they did that well, that was all that mattered. And I really feel the opportunity and the shift has come when we started to look more at what is their aptitude? What is their, how are, how do they problem solve? Um, are, how were they able to pick up a coding language or were they able to pick up another security tool? And how can that adaptive personality be applied to the changing you know, workforce and the, the changing trends that are coming? So. You can look at security, you could look at development. You know, we we used to say that infrastructure was over here and then DevOps was over here, but it wasn't really called DevOps. And there's all of these intricacies, right, where if we look at the professional for some of the soft skills, troubleshooting skills, problem-solving skills, aptitude and be able to continue to upskill them and reskill them as the technologies change, as the trends change, there's a great opportunity to keep people. And there's a little bit of that, I would say, that has to go not with the attraction to the roles, but also the retention and advancement of those professionals in security or any domain within with, within technology.
2: So, so, so many places we could go with this. And I, I'm going to start maybe at the beginning and, you touched on one point, Megan, that the, things continuously change, right? And I've had many conversations with Laz and Rock and on the record and off the record about this idea that you you have a cybersecurity person on staff that's used to managing their program on premise, premises and with certain technologies that run on premises. And now your company's moved to the cloud and they're using microservices and mobile apps and And uh, third party partners all over the place and that environment, my uh, containers, I mean, I can keep going with different Mm -hmm. technologies. And even your existing employees don't necessarily automatically transition over to the new world that your business is now running in. And so there's that challenge as well. So it it leads me to this point of kind of the, the, the left side of the equation. Where are we seeking talent from? Are we looking in the same place for cybersecurity professionals that have experience in, in these certain technologies or are there ways to maybe tap into folks that that know cloud technologies, container technologies, microservice technologies, and and bring them in so that, because they know those environments and then give them the skills. So are, are we looking in the right places is my question. And are we removing the filters enough to find enough people to to funnel them into these new roles we have?
3: I would say no to both. We're not looking in the right places. (laughs) Particularly for organizations that don't have, um, and I would say this has also changed over the years, there used to be general HR organizations that were doing the hiring for all of the organization. And most organizations today, most companies today now have more dedicated recruiters that specialize in technology, even within different facets, right? So security or otherwise, but no, we're not looking in the right places. Um, you know, when someone tells you you can't get from one point to the other, my immediate reac- reaction is, of course we can. It's just not a linear line. It's just not linear rather, right? You you have to kind of like, you might have to go north to go south to go east to go west, right? And so when I think about it from a talent perspective, uh, they're everywhere. We just have to think a little bit more creatively. And a lot of times being in the service world uh, where we're actually building funnels for our clients versus um, having things come to us directly, you're forced to be a little bit more creative. Where are they? Are they in boot camps? Are they in workforce development training programs? Are they ex-military that maybe have security clearance but and an interest in security, but we need to do some training. Where are those pockets and what can we do to cultivate that, them in a way that brings diversity uh, because they're coming from different backgrounds. Um, and then there's also like the idea of uh, you look at certain facets of technology. I'll use actuaries as an example. Um, we can reskill the people that have been in the actuary business to work in, in other data roles. So how can we look at other groups and populations to give them some upskilling or opportunity, right? I think that's the other thing. Um, There's a lot of people that have an interest in technology. So how do we get them involved early and in roles that can groom them for the next level? IAM, for example, good place. Start getting exposure, build them as they start getting some, some, you know, Experience under their their belts, and then help kind of move them up the ladder into other roles and that are more um, that are more uh, complex within the security space.
2: So I'm going to talk to you about because you use the word funnel, and and it's part of the the materials we use to help kind of frame this out a little bit. And over time, I've always had this this visual of hiring managers having blinders on, where. We have a certain idea of what that person looks like, has been through, experience they have. And another way to look at that is a filter. So you used funnel, which to me has a big top, which then slims down and you presumably, uh, I guess everybody comes through the funnel, maybe just slower. And so another term might be filter. So the blinders to me is you're not even looking, but if something in front might be filtering. Funnel is perhaps everybody comes through, just the right, Way to to the right people, find their way through at the right time? I don't know. And that's why my question is, are we we looking at the talent in the right way? Are we filtering people out too soon or for the wrong reasons? There's too many jokes on social media that uh, you have to have 20 years of container experience, right? Container technologies have only been around for a few or whatever. So are we eliminating talent uh, erroneously? with some of the ways we do things? And if so, how do we uh, correct that?
3: Um, Absolutely. I mean, if you just look at some of the processes for how organizations, um, for lack of a better word, process candidates, they're using technology that will automatically take someone out of consideration if certain words aren't included on their resumes. So um, if a person, for example, has done self-study, maybe has done work outside of his or her job, they may have experience and and be able to speak to the technology, but they don't put it on their resume because they haven't actually worked in an environment using the technology. That's a last opportunity. So yes, technology is such our friend and can be our greatest enemy at the same time, right? So I think where we have seen success is being the advocate for those people from a candidate perspective to really dig in and understand what he or she has done, how they've done it, what the value is they could bring to the organization and kind of tee that up as a story to a hiring manager outside of the resume. And then, you know, you could go down a slippery slope of saying, what is a place in the marketplace any longer for resumes? What is the value of a resume? Um, And that I think is also really changing very, very quickly. So if we're, if we're only relying on resumes as a way to tell a story, that's only one lens, one filter through which to look at a candidate.
1: Well, I've I've read a lot of stories that are kind of like how things shouldn't be. Example of, you know, like the resumes, there, there's biases, there is, uh, you know, filters, artificial intelligence, reading that and just using algorithms that are not welcoming people. So, and I feel like we we point out these issues, but then months later, I still hear about these issues. So I guess the point is, are we just, uh, you know, into a mindset, trapped into the mindset that we need the technology and the soft skill are still like secondary? Well, I heard you say at the beginning that these to retain the jobs and to be happy in the position this soft skill they need to be pretty good you need to adapt you can't just get in there and keep learning and and so i guess the question is are we doing enough and the other question is why don't we assume that we don't we can't just train people in their position well i think
3: it depends on the couple there's two questions i think so the yeah. first part training. Training takes time, as we know, and we are a quick fix society. We need it and we need it now. And so this is, again, why I would say it's a systemic change. We need to start thinking not just about how to get people into the openings that are within our organizations today, but what we can do for the future and what that looks like. And there's a lot of opportunity there. If you look at mid-level security professionals that have strong security capabilities but maybe haven't had an opportunity to lead manage mentor what about a mentor program how do you how do you build something like that in where you're automatically building up your own talent funnel filter whatever we're gonna whatever we want to call it right pipeline um in order to be able to promote people into other roles so there's certainly This is a systemic issue, as I said. So we're not going to get a quick fix or we wouldn't still be having the conversation. So if we can take action today to look at places where there are people that we can bring into the organization and then go one, two or 10 steps further and put some programs in place as a community. This is a perfect forum, actually. Blue Lava is a perfect place to have these conversations to help one another build the talent that we need for today as well as more importantly the talent we need for, t- for tomorrow and we don't have to do it in a vacuum we can all work with one another to put things in place to help one another so that we're not talking about this 10 years from now or if we are talking about it we've seen significant change versus incremental change
1: so i know how the soft skill to go to my other question comes into play with this because i understand i mean if you're studying for something or if you're learning something you're not gonna I mean you're gonna have your own years of college and and program and, and learning and then you have to start applying it and all of that. so I understand that. But why can I maybe make some bet on people based on their attitude instead of just you know kind of like a, a middle ground uh, That's what I'm wondering. I believe it's a it's a
3: education problem right we need to have it's a, it's a it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to have conversations with hiring managers to have them flip the lens of how they're looking at the process right, right. so yeah I, you know the 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 person that could sit in the back office and not and do whatever he or she did all day long but not want to learn new skills or new tools or new processes is something of the past the only thing that is constant particularly in the security space is change. Change in requirements, change in, um, you know, everything, governance, uh, compliance. So we have to keep everyone moving and, and and vet out those people that are comfortable in change, even though change is not always comfortable.
2: And I wanna, uh, so many things in my mind here, but I, I'm gonna go back to the resume as an example, where you said that maybe, maybe that isn't relevant any longer and that that leads me to the kind of the bigger picture of the process mm-hmm. and also bringing back the filter/funnel uh, point as well where perhaps are we are we setting the objectives up perhaps in a way that fails us and then the objectives then f- are set so we follow them and we build a process that serves the objectives when, when uh, we we were not actually accomplishing what we really want to do. And what I'm trying to point to is this idea, you mentioned an advocate for the Mm -hmm. candidate. Mm -hmm. And so without an advocate, this person's resume and perhaps their initial interviews and perhaps the follow-up interviews uh, don't enable them to, Put their best foot forward where they they may actually be the best candidate Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and so there's there's that advocate part for the the candidate but then also internally because we're talking about community and and relationships here as well perhaps partnerships with with hr and partnerships with other parts of the organization uh, where this kind of goes back to the objective where if the goal is to filter out all the garbage and give me the two or three that I think will work best, if that's, I presume that's what a lot of programs are designed to do, right? Give me as many candidates as possible. Give me the two to three best and we'll give them an offer. So you're filtering out a bunch of folks. And that's because we don't have time to interview all of those folks. But so I guess I'm wondering is the process, does the process need to change? How can it change and how can we leverage perhaps some partnerships with HR and others to do things differently, maybe? I don't know. Mm-hmm.
3: There's an opportunity for hiring managers to work with HR, their business partners, whatever, to get the right people in. Um, there's so many strategies that people have talked about. Th- the challenge is there's not a one size fits all solution for every organization because the maturity model of every organization's hiring process is vastly different. And their approach, to talent is vastly different. So, um, you know, there you could institute blind resumes, you could create gender-neutral job descriptions, you could build relationships with organizations external to the organization for uh, talent referrals. You could change the interview process and make certain that you have diverse hiring panels. You could utilize pool-based hiring, right? So you have to have so many in the pool before you can even evaluate the talent. You could I mean, the list goes on and on. You could create a diverse hiring slate. You could um you could create mechanisms um to 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 bring different groups back into the workforce. Um and they all work differently in different organizations. So yes the opportunity is there to do all of that. It's it's sometimes it's much like building a diversity equity and inclusion program within an organization. People want and and desire to do it, but sometimes they don't know where to start because it's big and it's evolving and it's changing. And that's very much what's happening within the hiring space, not only in security, but just as how we're hiring, evaluating, onboarding uh, any talent. And so what I would recommend to an organization is looking at where are the true pain points today, and what can you do today to take some incremental action to help whatever is on your on your roadmap for the next 12 months and then start looking at the next level to say what can we do more comprehensively to make certain that we're changing the way this process works? But Sean, here's the thing: we can do all of that, but if we aren't constantly going back and iterating then we're going to end up exactly where we are today which is trying to follow a process that hasn't been iterated on so we almost the best way to say it really is we need to apply agile practices to our hiring and go back and do the retrospectives and use all of the agile ceremonies to change how we're doing it so we're we're making we're making incremental changes every step of the way
1: so i have a question Which is, I realize I never asked before, I think. So you're lucky. What if we change perspective? And we always assume that it's the company that is doing things wrong. Like the company that has filters with bias, the company is looking for the wrong candidate. How about we flip the card? And are the people that apply doing it correctly?
3: Probably not. Okay. Yeah, probably not. Can you give me some
1: example of?
3: So if you look at it, if if you look at um, the job could be, and this kind of goes back, job looks perfect, right, to a candidate, but he or she has no credentials. That's not really going to work either, right? Unless they can make a compelling story, to the example I used earlier. I am in this area of IT today. My goal is to get into security. Here are the things I'm doing to do that. I see that you're hiring in the security space. I may not be the right fit right now, but I'd like to understand what I can do to become a better fit for that role. If someone wrote that to me, I'd be like, whoa, that is a different, I've not seen that response before. I would want to talk to that person just because of that note, right? And so yes, from a candidate perspective, there's, everyone has a story to tell and we all have to find the best way to get it out there. And I will tell you, I've heard some really compelling ones that I may not have shared a candidate with a hiring partner because if you looked at first blush at the resume only and did not have a conversation or did not understand motivation or aptitude, I might've thrown it into my trash or my delete box, right? But having talked with the person, you're like, wait a minute, tell me more. Tell me more. And as you dig into that and kind of peel the layers of the onion back, you expose things that might be attributes that weren't in the job description, but they're coming in and the candidate's sharing it. And all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and you're like, gosh, this person probably needs six or 12 months of of mentorship. Let's get that in place because I know in six or 12 months, they're going to be ready to go.
1: I love that. It's like a creative resume. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, that's, and
2: that's where I think if we rely on technology and automation too much, the, those stories might will get lost, right?
3: I agree and with we're,
2: that. We're talking humans here and that's the human right. elements in the program, the human elements in the hiring process. Uh, we need to remember the humans there. You know who else is human? At least most of them. The CISO. Most so, of them. <laughs> the CISO themselves. Absolutely. And so, so thus far, we've we've been talking about their role as the leader of the organization, the security leader. They don't have to be with, this, with the C-level title. Anybody in a, in a leadership position who's responsible for bringing people into the organization to make security better and, and support the business has that challenge. But they also personally have... Um, I presume desire to grow and to do bigger things or they're not a CISO yet. Many want to be, I think. And and of course they have the same thoughts as everybody else with respect to the great resignation, right? Am I being treated fairly and is this the place I want to be? And so for those folks who want to grow, who wanna to make a change somewhere else, who want to be part of not that their current organization is bad. They want to be part of something different because it, it meets some uh, some social uh, objective that they have that they're passionate about. But they also want to grow their career as a CISO, um, do bigger and better things in that role. How how do you speak to them for finding new opportunities, uh, growing in their current opportunity, Uh leveraging communities like this to share experiences, some, some thoughts on, on that.
3: Yeah, certainly this is a, another topic that's, it's always been part of our community, right? This is nothing new. The great resignation also brought about things like the great reshuffling, the rate, the great reinvention, the great reassessment, right? Trying to understand all these re's that came out of uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, this is my advice to any person in uh, the job career phase of their life, the only person that is the CEO of his or her own career is you. And you've got to own it and take take control of it, whatever that looks like. And the interesting thing about the C-suite is there are so many different directions you could go, Right, you could become an entrepreneur if you aren't one already, you can advise, you can mentor, you you, you could develop consulting practices, which is a form of obviously entrepreneurship. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna coin Simon Sinek's uh, you know frame of you need to know your why. What's your why? What gets you out of bed in the morning, and then just align that. And I also, you know, as in my own professional career and journey, think about that. I love what I do daily, but I always look to like what's next, what's the next thing? not that I'm looking to leave what I'm doing today, but what's what's gonna enhance what I'm doing today, what's gonna bring me additional joy and satisfaction. For me, it's a lot about what, what's my impact gonna be. And so I think that there are ways that we can look at those questions as a community. I'm gonna go back to the blue lava community. What a safe place to talk about what people have on their mind and share what's working and not working and collaborate with one another. If we look solely back at the talent pipeline, there's also an opportunity for the community to to pull together and make change there. And that is a next step, could be something. So in my mind, the possibilities, quite honestly, are, are limitless. It's just a matter of taking some time and introspection to figure out what that looks like. And again, looking at it consistently, because that roadmap could change as things change within companies as things change within life, as uh, programs change. So it's it's one of those things that you keep have you just have to keep going back to you over and over again.
1: So when you are a CISO and you don't want to be a CISO anymore, then you're gonna to have to write your own resume. And uh, what what do you want to do after that? I mean <laughs> you a lot of people in this industry you you think as the CISO is like that's that's where I want to be. That's that's my, that's my goal. And now maybe you get there, and we have this conversation. And you know, there's something more than that. There's always something else, right? Absolutely. So, what what's your experience on that? Like, uh, you know, when when the CISO has to go back or wants to go back, and put themselves on on the line on a career change what they can expect and then what you hear in the community? What's the mm-hmm. conversation? There? Mm-hmm. So
3: I think there's a couple of ways I'll answer that question foremost, depending on the size of the organization in which the CISO is working, there's always opportunity to change domains, go to the different industry. There's also opportunity to change the scope and size of the program that they're supporting. So going to a larger organization, some may actually go the opposite direction and say, I've been in this large, I still wanna keep working, but I wanna do something not as large anymore, right? So you can go up and down. There's also, you know, I've I've known CISOs that have gone into CEO roles, gone into COO roles. Um, And so it's, again, I'm gonna go back to, there's not a one size fits all approach. You have to understand your why and then start taking incremental steps to build relationships to uh, build out what that looks like. It, it, again, there's no shortage of people looking for for consulting in this space, particularly in in security. With everything changing, how do you uh, how do you bring your your programs up to speed with rapidly changing compliance issues? Right. So there's always going to be a role. It's just a matter of saying, Do I want to be at this 40 plus hours a week? Do I want to be doing something consulting wise? maybe 20 hours a week, do I wanna look at how I can rise the next generation of security leaders and spend time doing mentoring? Um, But the possibilities truly are limitless. It's just a matter of understanding your why and then building the relationships. And I would say not to get woo putting out in the universe what you're looking for, right? Making certain people know, if people don't know what you're trying to achieve, they can't support you.
2: I've actually heard that advice before. put in your, in your LinkedIn profile, where, what you want to do next. Uh, um, yeah. and, and it's part of your description, your title even. Yeah. And I just wanted to maybe take it to the, the community here and, uh, Blue Lava community and, and beyond just this idea that, uh, I, I, mean, I I grew up in, uh, marketing and, and, uh, product marketing and content and, uh, worked with and for a lot of different companies over the years. And one thing that I've noticed is when there's, when there's a team that works really well together and one person that's uh, at a higher level moves on to something else, this little nucleus yes. <laughs> ends up following them. Sure does. And, and so I, I don't know if that's true in the security practitioner and leadership space or not. Um, if not, should it? Uh, if it is, what's the value? What's what are the cons of that? And perhaps just in in encapsulating all that, just this idea of a community and friendships and talking to each other and and having the strength of that nucleus, even if you're not following each other.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I believe those things in my mind are built on trust, right? So, and there's this statement in the industry, I don't love, but it's true, the devil you know is better than the one that you don't, right? So if you have worked with a nucleus of folks, you know both their strengths and areas for improvement, and you can manage those differently than it's someone that is new coming into the team. Now, on the flip side of that, my diversity, equity, and inclusion lens would tell you different perspectives new ideas different people coming into the mix can build better solutions so it's in my mind an incredibly delicate balancing act for how to pull all of that together and the perfect recipe is probably a little bit of both Quite frankly, um, I have absolutely seen in the security space and in all facets of IT, those pods, we laugh about it. You can just see it. It's like, oh, one went, okay. And there goes the rest, right? Um, I had a call earlier today with a client that's going through a ton of change here in the Chicagoland area. And it was something very similar. The first one left... The next one's going, you know, and it, and it's based on you know what they're capable of, and you know you can achieve great things together because you've worked in that environment together, um, and there's some beauty to that. If you look at my team, the nucle- nucleus of us started, we we worked together for 20 plus years, um, so I am a product of that myself, and I'll also tell you, bringing outside individuals into the organization. Has benefited us hugely just from a back office perspective, how we do things, just different vision. And it was all because we had someone, people come to the table with different ideas and different experiences. Um, delicate, delicate balancing act.
2: And this may seem like a strange question, um, but connected to that, uh, the, the idea that we're in a, we, this profession, are an elite group, only certain people can do this. And therefore I'm only going to stick to my nucleus of folks that I do granted trust, right? At least I know them as you described. Um, but do we, do we, we may not do it throughout every part of the process, but do we at some point still have this elite? Well, if you don't know this, or you haven't experienced that uh, you just can't be part of this community.
3: Well that's where the opportunity is. We have to pull right. the next group forward or we're not going to have the change that we need.
2: So how do we do that? That's the that's the question. We
3: keep do we keep pulling them. We bring them in. We train them. We upskill them. We look at hiring differently. All of the things that we've talked about. That's the answer. And it's it's not a it's not just one thing. It's a collection of things. But we have to keep mindfully doing that day in and day out with all of the hiring that we're doing.
2: And do we need to be less afraid though? I, I feel that oh, maybe no. ultimately yes, ultimately yes, we're no. afraid that we'll be replaced or you
1: stole made. the highlight from me. Oh. I was gonna go there. But here's
3: the thing: you never want to be the smartest person in the room. I never do. I never want to be the smartest person in the Personally, room. Just, I never am. But. I want to learn from all of those other people. So we have to like leave the ego at the door and bring people in and get different perspectives and You know, equip them to make an impact and then continue to lift them and retool and reskill and promote in order to retain them, not only in our companies, but in the the security space, retain them in the space.
1: You know, Sean, I was going to go with the don't be afraid of the new, because with all this conversation, I'm thinking in such a innovative field, Right. And the profession where you need to you're you're playing with artificial intelligence and machine learning and you got to think like an attacker and all of that. But I feel I get this vibe of almost like too conservative, too afraid of, you know, really try something new. And what is newer than new people, younger generation, people that have been growing with this? I know it's risky. But all the great things take some risk. Uh, so I, I think that's a conversation that is important to have in the community. And I've heard this conversation in the community. So maybe, maybe we need to bring it in the front, you know, in the forefront of, of this gape in the, in the conversation. Yeah. And maybe
2: May, Megan, you can take, take it from here. Cause I, you know, what helps mitigate some of that risk is understanding Things a little better, right? And I think that's where the the community comes in. Hey, I'm thinking about trying this, or Hey, I'm considering this candidate from uh, coming from the librarian profession, or and the community can come together and say, I've experienced that. Here's what Absolutely. worked. Here's what didn't. Consider doing this as you as you proceed down that path. Um, ask these questions of that person to to gauge certain things, um, or or whatever. I mean, the point is, somebody's going. You're not alone. Somebody's going right. to will have experienced something like it or similar at some point, and will have some thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, if you don't trust to take the risk, trust your community and your fellow community leaders to to maybe help you along.
3: And the, the there is power and vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. None of us have the answers to all of this. I certainly don't, I have a lot of opinions, um, but I don't have all the answers. And um, I think the more that we can talk about it and share both the challenges that we've had as well as the successes and do it from a place where we're not worried about judgment, we're worried about sharing so no one else makes the same mistake and learning so we don't do it, right? I think that's the power of a community really, um, to lean and to ask questions and ask for feedback um, and to know that it's a safe space to, to work with one another, and if everyone can embrace that that um, that mentality, then ten years from now we'll be in a better place from a pipeline perspective.
1: Absolutely, I think that's exactly you summarize the value of the community, the safety of the community. Like there is not a stupid question, and if you're, and don't be afraid to be not the smartest one. Be be open. Have questions. That's that's how we grow. So, yeah. I think that's exactly one of the main value that the the Blue Lava community is actually bringing bringing to the table. These are great important conversations.
2: And if you wouldn't, if you don't mind, Megan, maybe uh, a final word from you on what you hope to experience as part of this community and what you hope to contribute to this oh, community.
3: Sure. Um, you know, when Laz first asked me to bar- be part of the community, I wasn't really sure what my value was going to be because I don't know how to do anything related to security other than hire professionals. And then when we were talking through it, we were talking just about the the, the trends that I see and, and some of the things I experienced, I, I gained the confidence to say, yes, I'll say, because I was a little, I was intimidated. I, I'm not a CISO. Um, but the thing is, uh, the opportunity to share what we're seeing through our client base, what we're seeing and hearing from candidates, uh, what we're seeing and hearing from workforce development training programs, trying to train up people, I think that's where in the value lies. I can give a different lens to the conversation that is different from a hiring manager, but someone that's deeply embedded with talent and hiring every day. And um, the other thing is, I think sometimes like anything in life, you can't see the forest through the trees. So sometimes a different perspective can really, you know, widen the view. So my goal is to do it through the lens of hiring. If you haven't noticed, I'm incredibly passionate also around the DEI piece. And so also looking at it, not just from building funnels, talent pools, filters, but also how do we make certain that when we get to a hiring decision, we're continuing to bring diversity to that hiring decision. So those are things that I would be happy to chat with anyone in the community on, certainly share what we're seeing from a McCam Partners perspective, I also co-founded an organization called ARA that stands for Attract, Retain, and Advance Women in Technology and Leadership. So there's another lens through which to look at this opportunity. And I will gladly answer any questions either in the community. Folks can reach out to me via LinkedIn, whatever. Happy to, to be a resource and, and continue to, to have this conversation so we can really see
1: some change. And, you you know, Megan, you really summarize uh, what we started with. Which is like, yes, you don't know about being a CISO. You don't know how to be. You don't have a computer science, but well, you don't need that to do that job that is actually making our community better. We, we need a lot of different point of view. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's, that's the main point. I love
2: it. Yep. Yeah, I do love it. And I think the, the main takeaway here, obviously, this is the community, by the community, for the community, coming together and having these conversations and being there for each other. There, there's strength Absolutely. in numbers. Uh, can't see the forest to the trees, but we're all trees, right? We're, we're connected to the next tree. So eventually we'll get through the forest through each other. And and hopefully we all, uh, we all thrive as a forest.
3: And Absolutely. Grow,
2: and grow nice, big and tall like the redwoods. No cheesy analogy there, but uh, anyway, uh, Megan, incredible conversation, uh, super important. Uh, CISOs and security leaders are challenged by many things. Talent management on the top of the list, maybe not number one all the time, but certainly right up there. And uh, many of the other challenges that are on the top ten uh, rely on the talent to <laughs> to help solve them. So this Absolutely. is crucial and critical to everything that uh, that they're doing. So. Thanks for bringing this perspective and uh, we hope everybody enjoyed the conversation and uh, takes away a few nuggets to help them along the way. And most importantly, connect with you and, and their peers on the Blue Lava community to, uh, to continue moving things forward, make, make things better for all of us.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crucial Conversations podcast with the Blue Lava community.